trust was unbelievable. And um, we just kind of woke up one day and said, we cannot live like this anymore. We've got to get a hold of this situation. And so we set off on a path to pay off our debt. We paid off $80,000 in two years. Welcome to today's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. We're excited to be speaking with Kelly Calderon today, and that was a sneak preview of our conversation. So as you'll hear, she and her husband, they uh, they made some financial mistakes, but they dug out of it. And now she has started a business where she is training children and teenagers on how to manage their money and how to win at the game of money. So Kelly can be found at her website, www.the smartmoneyacademy.com and also on Facebook and Instagram at the handles thesmartmoneyacademy.com. And while we're talking about websites, please make sure to check out our website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. And if you've ever wondered what it's like to work with a financial advisor, uh, give me an email, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. We hope that you enjoy this episode with Kelly Calderon. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the habits to help you to build and maintain wealth. Uh, my name is David Chudik. I'm a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And uh, today we have an exciting guest. We have Kelly Calderon. And uh, Kelly is a financial educator. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means and, and what she does. And uh, you know, in, in some ways, she's almost on the same mission that I am, just to help people to manage their money and, and make the world a better place and make their enhance the quality of their lives by how they, they handle their money. But, but she, she talks to a, a, a main part of, of the family. So, hey, Kelly, uh, how are you? And tell, you, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I am in Dallas, Texas. I have two boys, uh, 17 and 11. One is just started his senior year and one just started middle school. So we are um, just kind of navigating this new school life this year, but it's going really well. Do, now I have a 17 year old as well that started uh, started his senior year. Are, is yours in, in virtual school or in-person school? He is mostly virtual. He does have to go in for one class, which is um, auto tech, basically mechanics and things like that, which would be really hard to do virtual. So he goes in for that one class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you feel for especially last year's seniors, our, um, my oldest is a soccer player, and uh, they played their rival soccer team, which is always a big, big deal. And of course we won, um, which is a big deal, but that <laughs> turned out to be the last game of the season. So that was the last game for the seniors. And we would have had another game where the rivals would have had their shot to beat us, but we never had that. So you know, it's just last year was such a crazy year, such a, such a tough year. Yeah. And now your 11 year old is, is, is that a he or a she or? He, two boys. Yeah. Okay. And is he, is he same deal, mostly virtual school or? Actually, he is back in the school building. Um, he does better in, in person. So he went back yesterday for the first time, or I'm sorry, two days ago, and um, he's loving it. He's loving being back in school. I think being out of school for so long kind of gave a lot of kids a reality check of maybe going to school isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's for sure. My wife is a school nurse, so she's having to deal with all of the rules of if you've been exposed to someone, you have to be out for 14 days. And if they have a family member with COVID, then you have another 10 days. And it's just, it's, it's such a conundrum, the whole situation. Cause I think there are a lot of kids 
I mean, yes, we have to protect kids' health, but I think not being in school is a big negative for a lot of kids, maybe that don't come from the best backgrounds and everything else. So it's, Absolutely. you know, but there's, you know, th- there's no right answer to any of this, which is the, the hard part. So, so oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So financial educator, what, what is yeah. a financial educator? That seems like something that, you know, you would almost, almost think would be kind of intuitive that, that everybody is, is schooled financially, but that's probably not the case. So, so tell us about what a financial educator is. Yeah, absolutely. So basically I just teach kids and teens and young adults how to manage their money, how to build wealth, um, how money works, how to win at the game of money, um, and how to be successful and set them up for success maybe before they've even gotten a real start in life so that they can avoid costly mistakes, whether that be, you know, costing them a lot of time to fix those mistakes or a lot of money or lost opportunities. Well, it's interesting that you said to win at the game of money. And I don't think enough people look at money as kind of your duty. It's your duty to understand your money so that you can win and be financially successful, whatever that means to you. Some people have goals of, I want to have $50 million. Some people have goals of, I want to have a hundred thousand dollar house that's paid off and, and not, and, and there's no right answer, but, but it's definitely something that needs to be a conscious, uh, lifelong learning, uh, for, for sure. For sure. So absolutely, absolutely. It's all about, you know, just taking ownership of your situation and reaching the goals, whatever those may be for yourself. Yeah. Right, right. So if I asked, you know, maybe your eleven year old, you know, how much how much does your house cost? Or or how much does your electric bill cost? Like would your eleven year old you know, have a ballpark idea of what, what your average, you know, how much you spend on groceries per week, or, or would it be, I don't know, my house costs a hundred dollars or, or, or 5 million, you know? Um, he has kind of a ballpark idea of how much our house cost overall, not necessarily our mortgage payment. Um, not a whole lot about bills. Um, we have not, we talk a lot about taking ownership of our, of ourselves and setting goals and things like that, but we haven't gotten into the nitty gritty numbers with him quite yet just because I don't think he's mentally ready for that yet. But those are definitely things that we talk about with our 17 year old. Sure. I did uh, just a couple math classes with, uh, I was a guest instructor at a, at a local high school and we talked about some financial planning and some insurance related issues. And, and I asked the kids, you know, you don't have to tell me the answer, but raise your hand if you know roughly how much money your parents make and none of them knew. Um, <laughs> And if you think about the, when you talk about salaries, the only real baseline of knowledge that kids have is like athlete salaries. Yeah. And I don't know how much you make, but I don't make, you know, when you hear about, well, this guy just settled for a $7 million contract and he want, well, most people don't make $7 million in their lifetime. Right. So, so the, what, 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 what the real financial numbers are, I think kids are not really, really exposed to. So yeah, yeah, athletes and YouTubers. I think. That, oh yeah, yeah. yeah everyone, because yeah. because every YouTuber makes millions of dollars, and it's really right. really easy to do for sure, for sure. So, so I mean, how does somebody um, end up as as a financial educator? Yeah, so it's really a marriage of my my life path, my two different big situations in life. So we mismanaged our money for many many years. Um, we repossession, we were paycheck to paycheck for. A long, long time. And the now, was it paycheck was, to paycheck due to a really low income or was it due to not managing what was going out? Because a lot of paycheck to paycheck people, it's not that they're not necessarily making enough money to survive on. It's just that every dollar that's coming in is going out or, or every dollar that's going in, a dollar fifty is going out. 
Right. It was um, definitely both. I would say mostly our, us mismanaging it, though. We uh-huh. got in over our credit cards, student loans, car payments. We just got in over our heads. We got at, you know, a lot more debt than we could afford based on our income. Right. So. Right. But um, yeah, so we missed it was it was a terrible situation. The stress was unbelievable. And um, we just kind of woke up one day and said, we cannot live like this anymore. We've got to get a hold of this situation. And so we set off on a path to pay off our debt. We paid off $80,000 in two years. Um, and we started at a very low income rate, but I think you know part of the blessing of managing our money well was that we ended up getting raises throughout that, those two years. And um, we sold a car, we ended up- But you know, raised- is that a coincidence or is that just, hey, we need to make more money, so we need to do a better job at our job so we can get that promotion. You know, I think sometimes these things snowball and you could, I mean, yes, it's a blessing, but but- I do think that when you have a goal, it just affects your whole life, you know, and maybe oh, you absolutely. become much more qualified to make more money because you need to, so you do a better job at it because you know what the stakes are. Yes, absolutely. No, I do not think it was a coincidence. I think that, you know, all of those things kind of came together of us getting our lives in order and um, we were eating better where our jobs situation got better, our finances got better. It all kind of came together at the same time. Um, but yeah, we we really, you know, sacrifice during that time to get out of debt it was it but we we knew it was now or never and we didn't want to drag it out we were done being in debt and done being paycheck to paycheck so we've been debt free for many years now other than our home Um, we do still have a mortgage on our home and there are people that have you know an ethical objection to any debt whatsoever and i'm not one of them i mean i think you know a mortgage or even sensible debt buying a business or, you know, buying a building for a business, you know, so I think there's sensible debt. And, and, and if there's someone that, that says, I'll never borrow anything, I'm, I'm certainly not going to argue with you. But then there's absolutely there's nonsensible debt. Uh, right. You know, you, you'll talk with a client that has like a $900 a month car payment, but yet they can't afford to save any for retirement. Well, duh. Right. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> and ours was definitely nonsensible debt. So, you know, just mm-hmm. consumer debt and things that depreciate. And it was just, um, and student loans that really I didn't even need to take out. I took them out. I t- one of my student loans I took out to buy a car. I mean, it was, you know, it was just a long string of bad decisions and we needed to get out from under it and get a fresh start and, um, and start thinking about our retirement, really. So, um, but getting that through that process, I, it became our passion to make sure that our kids didn't follow those same mistakes and, and that they had a much better start in life. So what stage of childhood were they at this point to where? Yeah, um, my youngest was three. So my older one was about eight at that time. So he, okay. the eight-year-old really saw the process and really understood what was going on. So what, what are some things that, that, you can, that you can do with an eight-year-old to start teaching them money habits? Yeah, absolutely. So I would start even before that um, is, you know, as soon as they start to kind of get curious about money or ask or be asking for things, um, you can start, I think the important thing is to start savings, teaching them how to save, teaching them, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to put together a group of money or in a certain amount of money to buy this thing that you want. And they need to have a goal. They need to be excited about saving. And I suggest saving in a jar where they can see it and they can watch it grow. Um, I suggest using bills over coins because for a little kid, four quarters laying on the bottom of a jar, it looks like nothing. But a dollar bill crumpled up in a jar looks, it looks big. It looks like a substantial amount of money. And so if you, you know, just kind of play these little mind tricks because, you know, with preschoolers and really young children, they need that. 
They need to understand, um, they need that visual to help them understand. And so I would start there with savings and helping them flex that muscle because that's a skill that they're going to need for life. And they can start but that. Let me jump in right there. Like when you were paying down all this debt, did you have any type of a visual, visual maybe a chart where you were checking off uh, every time you, you, you paid off another thousand dollars in debt or got a, a bill paid off? Because I bet you did. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. That kept us motivated and kept us mm -hmm. going for sure. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes these mental gymnastics, they just they make it almost into a game that you want to win, and then yeah. winning the game is when the, all that debt is paid off, and you're and you're much better off. So, so great, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then for as kids get older, I suggest that they have access to money and be allowed to manage that. In other words, be allowed to make mistakes with it. I think that um, we're all going to make a certain amount of mistakes in life. And the younger that they are allowed to do that and get those mistakes out of their system and learn from those mistakes, then the better off they'll be as adults. Because I would much rather my kids make mistakes at the age of eight with, you know, $20 than at the age of 18 or 28 with a credit card or with a large amount of money or their rent money or something like that. Right, right. I remember we, we took our oldest when he was, he may have been seven or eight or nine, and he wanted this, honestly, piece of crap. R2D2, who knows what it was, but he had his birthday money. And, and um, so he had a $20 bill and, and this was at an age where he, he could do basic math and know the difference between twenties and ones. So he handed $20 to the cashier at target and they gave him like a dollar back or, or almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And he had this, now he, instead of having $20 bill, he had a dollar and this little, cause every toy looks cool on a commercial. Then when you get it, <laughs> and he cried and he was like, you know, and, and, yeah. And he, you know, he kept the toy and, um, but you know, you can either have the $20 bill or you can have the toy. And all of a sudden the toy just didn't seem all that cool now that he didn't have the $20 bill. So he's a tightwad now, which is a good thing. And in, in some, <laughs> to, to some extent, um, he doesn't necessarily blow money that like a lot of people do. So, and, and I think you're right. Letting your kids make that mistake and almost, you know, watching them cry that, Hey, you know, I want my money back. I don't like this. Well, you know what? Sometimes we make choices and, and, and what we want to happen isn't exactly what happens and, and we have to live with it. So in this case, it wasn't life or death. It was just a toy that wasn't all that cool, but sometimes those lessons definitely stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My kids have gone through a lot of the same things and it's so hard as a parent to like sit on your hands and zip your mouth and not intervene and just let them feel the depth of that mistake and learn the lesson that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's true. Uh, true for sure. You know, one of the things that we did is, is at a certain age, we just kind of asked relatives, Hey, you know, don't buy toys, whatever you were going to spend on a toy, just, mm -hmm. just give us money and we're going to start a little account. And, you know, over time, a couple of years worth of birthday and Christmas money, uh, you know, I mean, it, it adds up to a good little chunk of money for a kid. And, and now, you know, they have little investment accounts and you can look at an investment accounts and say, Hey, look, I made $40 today just because the markets went up. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of money to, to make. Just, and then of course, other days you lose 40, but uh, it is cool to see money, you know, because there's two things that work, money and people, and people can only work to make so much money. So then, you know, if your money's working for you as well, you're, you're, you're looking, uh, looking much better off. So, yep, absolutely. So what did you, so did you put together a formal program at a point to kind of make a, a career and, and a business out of this with other people's children's or how did you get from, yeah, you know, I screwed up my own finances. I fixed my finances. I'm kind of showing my kids kind of some money management, but now I really want to change the world with this. How did that evolve? Um, yeah, so I was a classroom teacher for 20 years um, here in Texas, and I was kind of at a point where I was ready to pivot out of my career, and our new 
financial freedom allowed me the uh, the opportunity to do that. I was no longer stuck having to go to work every day. I could, you know, pivot and do some things. So I definitely, um, I actually started out as a financial coach working with families, um, with, with the adults, trying to get them to go through the same process that I had gone through. But um, really, my passion when I was working with them was talking to them about how to work with their own kids. And so I just kind of pivoted to start working with their, with kids. I teach kids um, live, either online or in person. And we, um, we work our way lessons. And then I have um, a teen class that's video based online because getting teens all into one room <laughs> is not easy at the same time on the same day. And then I do a lot of parenting and coaching as far as, you know, what are the things that you should be doing with your kids or saying to your kids and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so having a, a high school senior, most of what he's learning in school since I've been a high school senior and you have, um, you know, when was the last time you used calculus? When was the last time you used, recited a Shakespearean poem? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but today you will make some kind of a financial decision. Today you will make some type of a health decision. Today you will make some type of relationship decision. So there's a lot of cases where I think in the school systems, if we would teach more life skills, uh, we would just, we would, you know, we eliminate obesity or, or, or reduce it. Obese, you know, it's a behavior and, and it's, if you're not taught and money problems are, are just, you know, they're based on long-term behaviors. Nobody goes bankrupt from one bad decision. Typically you go bankrupt from just credit card after credit card after credit card. Uh, and relationships, you know, are, so, so the, the important parts of, of life, I don't think we teach uh, as much in school as we should, but thankfully there are, you know, people like you and all the, all the other good parents out there that, uh, that do teach their kids. So, so what are some things that, that parents should like start doing with their kids at home to help them to build a foundation of knowing how to handle money, both as a kid. And then once they, uh, you know, once they, they grow up and have real money to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a couple of things I already mentioned. One was definitely get your kids saving um, at a young age. They need to, that's a muscle that they will need their whole lives. That a good savings account will um, give them peace of mind, um, will keep them out of debt, will protect their wealth. Um, when 2008 hit, my husband lost his job and we were financially devastated. Well, this pandemic has hit and luckily it did not affect his job, but we have six months of expenses in the bank. So even if it had, we would have been in a completely different situation than we had been earlier. And that's because we've learned to save and the importance of saving. So that would, so, that would be definitely the first one. So are you not a better wife and he's not a better husband going to bed knowing that, hey, if I do lose my job tomorrow, we're okay. You know, we may have to tighten our belt to stretch that, but we're okay. Whereas if you don't have that, Stressed out people just aren't, they're not their best version of themselves. And money doesn't solve the world's problems. Money doesn't, you know, money is just a tool and money provides freedom. But when you have a little freedom uh, and a little less stress, you don't kick the dog, you don't snap at your kids, you know, you don't do all those little things. And we're better people when we have our money in order, for sure. There's no question about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our marriage was so bad when we were um, not doing well financially and we have come full circle and um, we have a very strong marriage and really get to enjoy our kids and just it, there's so much more peace in the house than there used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever talk to kids about 
um, investing, you know, or at a certain age kind of talk about, you know, I mean, obviously saving and putting money in a jar is, is, is a great thing, but that money is not going to grow, which is going to stay there, but it's not going to go backwards um, unless you take it out. But when do you start talking about investment and compound interest and, and, and all of that magic? So in my class, um, actually, we do a simulation game where they earn a paycheck and they have to pay their bills and there's nothing left because welcome to real life, right? right? But eventually they get to start investing and earning passive income and they win, quote unquote, win the game when their passive income is enough to cover their expenses. So in other words, they no longer have to work if they don't want to work. Um, and that's very empowering to them. So that's in my classes, that's kind of how I address it. And we definitely talk about the power of compound interest. And I mean, I, I believe that, you know, the number one assets that kids have is time, right? Um, to take advantage of compound interest. So, um, and we talk a lot about that in my house. We talk about it all the time, but um, you know, I know that's not happening in other households. So I hope to give other kids that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you talk about compound interest as a, as a theoretical concept or do you talk about, specific, I, I know you're not a financial advisor, but, mm -hmm. but do you talk about, you know, here's what a stock does, here's what a bond does, here's what a CD is, and, and kind of when generically one of them might be appropriate as opposed to another? We have not gotten that deep. Um, my 17-year-old does have an investment account, and he does meet with our financial advisor, so he kind of takes that role. Um, I talk about it with my students and with my, my youngest one, we talk about it more on a theoretical basis as far as if you, the earlier you start, the better, um, and that you need to get somebody educated to help you and that you need to be doing research and educating yourself. Um, don't just turn your money over to somebody and not know what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that, that's just, that's great advice. And Really, one of the, my common themes that I talk about both on the podcast, but also to clients and and to myself is, you know, being purposeful. You don't drift to financial freedom. You had to make some pretty darn hard choices and sacrifices. Um, but, you know, what you mentioned about leaving your job, you had the freedom to do that. And that's what money does. Money just provides freedom. You could have stayed a teacher. You could have not stayed a teacher. But it, money was not the reason you had to stay. And too many of us are or in, in all areas of life, or just some areas of life, we're just bound because of some financial um, financial obligation, uh, for sure. So, and that, that's the American uh, way at this point, which is hard. Yeah, so, yeah so. absolutely, absolutely. So, so what about stop? I mean, what, what should parents stop doing with their kids? Um, I think the number one thing we need to be aware of is this phrase, we can't afford it. Um, parents love to use that as, you know, I, there's, they're asking me for something and I don't want to buy it. So I'm just going to tell them that we can't afford it. Um, and the truth is, is that many times we can afford it, but it's not a good choice. And so we need to be, we need to be wording that differently because they internalize that, um, much differently than we intend for them to do. We say we can't afford it. And in our minds, that means it's not a good choice. In their minds, it might mean money's out of our control. It might mean we're unlucky with money. If I mean we're broke, I heard a woman, a story of a woman who had heard that phrase so many times that when her shoes stopped fitting as a little girl, she was afraid to ask her parents for new shoes because she didn't want to add to their financial stress. And so we need to be really careful about how we word things. We could reword it to say, hey, um, that's not a good choice for us right now. That's not in our budget. Um, I think that would be a good thing for you to save up for and buy yourself that sort of thing, but we can't afford it. They internalize, uh, kids internalize it very differently than we intend them to. There's almost a victim mentality to we can't afford it. And, and that's one thing 
you know, the victim mentality once you're a grown up is something that I really try to get people out of because even if you've had a very difficult childhood, there does come a point where as a grown up, you just have to say, my, my, my difficult childhood, I cannot let it defeat me. And, and yes, it's harder for me than someone who didn't have a difficult childhood. That's fine. We can say that. But we do have to figure out ways to defeat, you know, the, the, the hardships uh, in the past. So that's fascinating. What's something else that parents should stop doing or saying? Um, stop making money a taboo. Um, this goes, especially with our older teens, and you had touched on this earlier, is um, this fear of sharing our money numbers with our kids. My oldest is aware of our income numbers. He's aware of how much our bills are, um, how much our home costs and things like that. And part of the reason we've done that is so that he has a really strong picture of what is it going to take for him to, you know, have the lifestyle that he wants as he gets older. Uh, what kind of career is going to give him that, that income that allows him to live a certain way. And so I think it's really important to open up that communication line about money, even if it's uncomfortable for us as parents. Wow. That, you know, that's something I hadn't, I, I guess there, in some cases, there may be an embarrassment by parents on how little that they make compared to what their, their kids may think they make. And, and of course, kids do have an unrealistic expectation because they do hear that LeBron James makes $50 million and this athlete and, and, and most of us are not going to get there. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that's, um, that's a great point. I've always done some financial literacy talking with my kids and just asked them about, you know, how much do you think we just spent at the grocery store? And, you know, when they were young, they might've said, you know, a million dollars or, or they might've said, you know, 50 cents, but to, to talk about how much money it does cost to feed our family per week, or, or we just went to a restaurant and how much do you think that costs? And, you know, even not a great restaurant, a family of five, you're going to be pushing a hundred bucks. And that's, that's a chunk of money. And that's why I don't go out to eat all that, all that often, because I could find some, some other areas um, to spend money. One of the few, one of the concepts that I love talking about is opportunity costs. So you can have that hundred dollar bill and what it will do, or you can have that going out to eat, but you can't have both. So right. if you look at it that way, is that and not that going out to eat is always bad because there's fellowship and there's family time and everything else. But um, certainly excessive going out to eat is, is a problem for, for, for many, many, many people. So, mm -hmm. so tell me about what's the name of your company and, and how can people find you and, and, and maybe connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. The name of the company is The Smart Money Academy. So all four. I am, I, my website is thesmartmoneyacademy.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under the same handles, the Smart Money Academy. So I love it. That is just my, you know, my goal for, for myself and for clients is to, as much as possible, to eliminate the self-caused problems in life, right? I mean, there are always going to be problems. You know, COVID, you know, you didn't cause COVID, I didn't cause COVID, but, you know, a lot of people lost income and jobs and um, but but if you think about all of your money problems that you've caused, and you pretty much stated that you caused most of them, mm -hmm. uh, if you could eliminate those, then there aren't that many problems. You know, if you could live within whatever your income is, then you're okay. And then if you also could say, you know what, the income that the, the lifestyle that my current family's income provides is not what I want. So guess what, I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to start a side hustle. I'm going to get a different degree. I'm going to apply for a promotion. I'm going to, whatever I have to do to increase the, um, the income side of, of the equation. Cause you know, there's a lot of famous people out there to talk about budget, 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 budget. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of what they talk about is don't spend. And yes, during a time of your life, don't spend is what you have to do. But the other side of budget is income, right? So if we can all right. figure out how to increase our income, that gives us a little more margin on the other side to where we can enjoy life. Because money, mm-hmm. you know, when you're... You know, when you're on that proverbial deathbed, you do want to look back and say, hey, I took that trip with my kids and we had those memories. And yeah, the memories cost, to some extent, they cost money um, mm-hmm. and, and, and also the financial stress. So yeah, absolutely. Really, really exciting. Do you have any success stories with any kids that maybe you've just really made a breakthrough with or? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is a, um, a girl, she was with me over the summer and um, a couple summers ago. And then I got an email from mom around December. And she said, she let me know that the girl, she was 12. She had started investing. She had just bought her first stocks and she was tracking the stock every day and things like that. But really, I think the um, exciting part, not only that she had found her passion about money, but she had found a passion that she never knew was there. It was kind of lying dormant and that sort of thing. And so I don't know if it's something she would have ever discovered um, if she hadn't been given the opportunity to talk about money and to um, go through my class or some other class and and to learn those things. So it was really neat to, to see that she was already investing and how excited she was about her future. Well, and if you start thinking about the time value of money for someone that age, I mean, they don't even need to put that much away and they could end up with it, like seriously end up with a million dollars or more with just a few dollars a week or month uh, with that, with that amount of time. So are your core, do you offer like, is it a course that, you know, an eight week course or, or how does that work? Mm -hmm. So for um, the younger kids, for elementary age kids, um, nine, uh, 10, nine to 15 ish. Um, it is about 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours, depending on how it works out. Um, online live that could be spread over weeks or during the summer, I do it all in one week. Um, and then the team class that is self-paced all videos online just to, for them to complete when they get a chance. And that comes with two coaching sessions. So then after they complete the class, the teen and I or their family, you know, like if they're going off to college and the parents are going to give them a certain amount of money, the parents probably want to be in on that money, you know, that meeting too. But we sit down and we kind of make a plan and, and talk about what are their goals and, and what are your struggles and what can we do to help tweak that? So are most of your students, are they from maybe families of parents that have dug out of some financial stress or because, you know, obviously there's probably some sort of a fee to be involved because you don't work for free. And that's part of why you're not financially struggling. So, um, you know, who are the, who are the, who are the parents of, of your students? Are they well off? Or are they struggling? Or are they having to really struggle to, to come up with the fees? Or are they people that are thinking, yeah, I've I, I dug out and I don't want my kids to even have to dig out. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little bit of both. I definitely have had families who struggled financially and they want to change the in the future. So that I definitely have them. And then a lot of, um, another big chunk of people that I reach are entrepreneurs, um, because they, they know the power of, right. you know, of controlling your, your destiny and the, right. the importance of knowing how to manage your money, especially if you're going to start your own business. And so I get a lot of entrepreneurial parents too. When my 17 year old was 14 and 15, he worked at my office over the summer and I, I paid him a pretty good hourly wage for a day or two per week, like much more than he should have, but that was all the money he got. So <laughs> you want to go to the movies and spend $15 on a popcorn bucket? Fine. That's, that's it. But when you run out of money before your next paycheck, guess what? You're out of money. And, and as a family, we basically didn't give, we didn't buy him anything that summer. He bought everything for himself within reason. And you know, that makes you start thinking, you know, the name brand t-shirt that's $40 and then the target brand t-shirt that's 10, 
when it's your own money, all of a sudden that logo isn't worth all that much extra money, is it? So Absolutely. I think you kind of reminded me of one more thing I wanted to say was that we, with our teens, we really need to be talking to them about our beginning stories because we've spent years building this lifestyle that they're used to and they get out into the world and they think they're mm -hmm. supposed to have the same lifestyle. Right. And then when they can't afford it, they reach for a credit card and they start to feel like they're failing. And so we need to be sharing with them like, hey, I used to have lawn furniture in my living room when I first started out and we ate ramen every night and, and you know, my car was a beater. And so I think sharing those stories is really important to let them know that wherever you are in life, that's where you're supposed to be. And it's okay. It takes time. Well, and money, yes, it's a dollar and cents kind of numerical problem, but it's also an emotional, mm -hmm. I mean, men, men, their self-worth is literally tied to how much money that they make. And, and it's not a prideful thing. It's that, you know, I think men are kind of geared to be the provider. And if you're at a point in life where you're not able, it really, really digs at a man's soul. I mean, it really does. And, and it, I can't speak for women, how, what the women's, um, you know, attachment or, or money emotions are, but money is an emotional subject yeah. for everybody. And there's, there's a lot of different reasons. And you almost, you know, in a way have to be a little bit of a therapist to kind of get behind, you know, why are you in debt? You know, is it because yeah. you're keep? is there some pride that you're keeping up with people that maybe you don't need to try or maybe is there some self-worth issues or, or who knows what? So, mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating subject that I, that I, uh, that I get, uh, get into, uh, get into a lot. So, but I think you're doing great work and I think Thank that you. the, the, I think most of society's problems will be solved if we work with kids and they'll be solved in the next few years because the people that, you know, when you were whatever age you were in major credit card debt, well, guess what? Your kids are not going to be there. So That's there's right. not going to have to be a financial bailout. There may not have to be, uh, you know, government subsidies will, will decrease and, and, you know, society just is better if people handle our money uh, efficiently. It's not to say that if you don't have money, you're a bad person. It's, there's no judgmental. It's just, you know, at a point, we all just need to start making decisions that take us towards where we want to be. And you're not, you know, you didn't get out of debt overnight, but you got That's a right. little bit out of debt the first day, a little bit more, and then a little bit more. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. Right. So give us, um, I'm actually putting together a, a five part video course. So I'm going to put you on the spot, but, but I, you yeah. probably have a, uh, a bunch of canned answers to this anyway. We're, we're putting together a five part video course about how to avoid um, some of the five biggest money mistakes. So uh, tell me one of your biggest money mistakes, uh, but, but make it, you know, not to, Hey, I got in debt. That was a big mistake, but let, let's go a little bit deeper than that. What was your biggest money mistake or why you made the mistake? Um, I would say, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses really, you know, we, we live in a very affluent community and at the time we weren't making much money, but we felt like we had to have the good cars, the fancy cars to keep up with everybody else around us. And my husband was working in a place where, um, Everybody, you know, most of the employees had very nice cars and they would tease him about his. And so um, it was, you know, kind of this pride and self-esteem issue yeah. and the emotions yeah. that went with it. So separating money and emotions was huge for us. So I would you know, definitely I say love, that that's one of the I things. love that, separating money and emotions. And that's, that's definitely, I mean, we've all been there, but, um, but that's that. Because if you look at all the hardship that that caused, you know, and it's just literally getting emotions getting in the way. So yeah. Well, good deal. Well, Kelly, I enjoyed this. This has been exciting. This is just right up my alley and I love what you're doing. And, and I think that you can literally 
change somebody's life uh, or the future of their life by helping them get their their money under control when they're when they're a kid and and our you know our attitudes and our our, our frames of mind just just go such a long way in affecting our behaviors and our money behaviors affect how much money we have and which affects stress and everything else. So uh, maybe one of these days uh, we can have you on again and we can maybe dig a little bit deeper into just some some more specific uh, 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 action items that that parents can take with 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 specific age kids. So yeah. Absolutely. I'd love that. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll put all of your contact information in the show notes. And uh, I really encourage, uh, you know, it'd be great for parents out there. Uh, if you don't feel like that you can uh, take the lead in, in, in training your kids financially. And also sometimes, quite frankly, kids listen to somebody else better than they listen to their parents. So, um, so uh, Kelly may be a great person to uh, get your kids started off on the on the right financial footsteps. So until next time, we wish everybody a blessed week. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.